High School Slumber Party AP is a Cage Club Podcast Network production. For all things Cage Club and High School Slumber Party, head over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome slumbers who take their studies a little bit more seriously, or just slumbers in general. This is the special teen movie review 2021 edition, brought to you by High School Slumber Party AP. So, Aislinn, welcome to the madness that I do to myself every year. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. You know, I've always loved a very special episode of dot, dot, dot. So I am... (laughs) So glad to be here for this year's very special episode to close out 2021 and wave goodbye to it and and never, never revisit it. Or is that just me? I mean, no, it's not just you. It's definitely not just you. But we probably will be revisiting some of it on AP in 2022. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm so happy to be speaking to someone this year because last year I did this all on my own. And it was during a bunch of quarantine. I hadn't gone back to the office yet. And I was just at home watching these movies. And it got very, very lonely. Um, It was still a little bit lonely this year watching all them like this. But you and I have watched a ton of these for AP and just in general. So it's not completely alone in that respect. And it's, it's good to have someone to bounce off of this year. And High School Slumber Party AP, one of the reasons it was born was out of this 2020 rewatch. So I figured, let's bring this into the AP zone for 2021, because that's what we do on AP. We talk modern films. So once Absolutely. again, so happy to have you with me. And, and I really, truly mean that. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thanks so much for inviting me. I did want to ask a couple of questions because AP started, like you said, after the 2020 review and so just to to help kind of set the scene and even compare a little bit when you did that 2020 watching was it with the purpose of sharing that information with other people or did it start because you had the time you know and and the um, necessity to be at home and that kind of thing a little bit of both I wish it was more like oh I had the time so I would kind of work in the movies slowly and not watch them all in December which I want to do this year, but I realized it's very hard to do because they kind of push a lot of these towards the end of the year just to oh, get okay. them out get them out there. I was going to ask about the timing as well. <laughs> I still could have done better, to be honest with you. But no matter what, there's going to be a December crunch. In a sense, I had been, you know, like a lot of us, at home, watching movies, streaming a lot of stuff. And I started to think about how everything was going to streaming And if we'd even return to the movies again, eventually we did in some respect. But as we know, a lot of stuff still goes straight to streaming. So 
Absolutely. Something we talk about on AP and I think we'll continue to talk about because we're still in a pandemic. That hasn't true. Changed. That hasn't changed. That reminds me, have you, have you been to the theater yet? I have, I have, and, and we'll talk about that today. Oh, great. See, it's almost like I'm prepping for the highlights, <laughs> really just asking questions. You do not have a script? Well, we, we have a small outline, but I'm glad you're asking these questions. But once I, I saw a couple of these advertised, as I know you've shared with us, Iceland, that you had as well, and some friends of mine, hey, Brian, did you see this teen film? Did you see that teen film? So I kind of dipped my toe in in December to be like, oh, I wonder, maybe I should just watch all these streaming teen films. And then once I realized how many there were, I'm like, all right, as I do with a lot of useless things in my life, I feel like I need to make a project out of it to make it sure. feel like it's less useless. Understood. Yep. <laughs> so then I was like, let's just do an episode on it. And it became two episodes and people seem to really enjoy it. I got a lot of feedback in early 2021 about, you know, thank you for doing that. There were some movies that I'd never even heard of that now I watched and I love. And some like, thank you, Brian, for I was going to watch that movie and I skipped it because of you. So uh, that was another reason I wanted to start AP because there was so much undiscovered stuff. You know, if we got one or two more people to watch it, I thought that was really cool because these filmmakers work really hard on these movies. Much, totally. Much harder than I work on a podcast or that we work on doing this. So figured if we can spread it any way we can. Speaking of folks who work really hard, may I give a plug at the beginning and at the end? Of course. So... This is not a teen movie, but it's a movie that teens might enjoy. For folks that have cable, it would be on the OWN network, on Oprah's network, or through Discovery Plus. Um, there's a Christmas movie called A Christmas Stray that my brother, Tobin Addington, wrote oh. that um, just came out this year. I had a small watch party in Oregon. I know that there was a, a watch party here in Montana as well. But again, not a teen movie. But if you are looking for one more fun, uh, low stakes, but high quality holiday in the oeuvre of the Hallmark Christmas movie, but it happens to be on own, check out A Christmas Stray. It's great. It's fun. And Tobin Addington wrote it. So I'm assuming there's a dog in it. There's uh, multiple dogs. Um, Yay. And, <laughs> and if we were going to critique it on this podcast, which we won't, I would say I could have used some more dog, uh, <laughs> um, but the dog is great. The humans are great and super fun little holiday uh, movie. So please um, support Teen Addington and um, watch that because it's so fun to look on the streaming platform and see trending. All we want to do is trend, right? I'm an ancient millennial. So, <laughs> well, thank you for uh, the time to plug. But yeah, super fun to see uh, Tobin's name in light. Well, that's really, really cool. Obviously, Tobin's been here in High School Slumber Party and contenders with him, but awesome. That, that's great. I'll definitely check that out. And again, happy there's dogs in it. <laughs> Amen. There should always be dogs, right? Well, unless they're harmed. That I don't want to Unless it's see. a horror movie, yes. I still, <laughs> uh, contenders, audience will know I'm still upset about the Babadook, but <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. We are talking about the films of 2021. Yes, yes. The teen films of, teen 2021. films of 2021. So yeah, what a background is important for us to understand before we talk about some of these movies. So ran myself through the ringer again, tried to watch as many as I could. Now, Originally, I got super scared, right? Like last year, I did about 30 something. I'll probably hit that number this year. But I got super scared because when I originally looked it up, 
I found 70-something movies. And I'm like, whoa! And I did not see that last year. Also, it was very hard this year. Last year, there was a lot of, like, Teen Vogue articles, which I rely on a lot. Just other kind of magazines, like the hottest teen movies of 2021 and stuff like that. And I could mine stuff from there. This year, there was almost nothing except, like, a Ranker article that had them. And that's not really an article, honestly. So I had to really do some deep diving. A lot of homework this year, guys. That's good that you've... You've had AP this year, so you've yes. sort of been prepped for the more rigorous assignments. Very true. And AP helped me find some that we already did, thank God. Sure. Uh, and I'm sure helped the algorithm on Amazon and stuff like that to just show me some of them. But luckily, and I don't want to say, this is going to sound bad, but I was able to eliminate a lot because they were foreign language films. And that doesn't mean they're bad. And I'm thinking of checking them out throughout 2022. Maybe sure. I'm trying to think of a cool name for a, a segment, kind of like a, you know, in a broad segment. But yes, I think bonjour. maybe yes, <laughs> party. every AP episode maybe being like yes, study abroad. Yeah, a study abroad. Perfect. There you go. Oh, perfect. Fine. Oh, chef's kiss. That's great. Yes, we will have. You heard it here first, people. We will have a study abroad segment, and I'll do it. I'll commit to it. I'll watch one of these uh, foreign language or just non-American teen films, if you will, because I do love seeing uh, what high school or or teenage-ness is like outside the United States. Fascinating, for sure. I love that. And I also love the idea of us kind of more going back and forth with the homework. Oh, of course. Because in my day job, more recently, I've been the professor then I've been the student. And so um, (laughs) I think it would be good uh, to go back and forth with homework. And I love the idea of study abroad. And I think it could work similarly, you know, uh, to this where you sort of check something out and bring it back to us and kind of let us know what we should check out or what we should look for, you know, in our own independent studies. I love it. For sure. For sure. Oh, study abroad. So great. (laughs) But I didn't want people to think that I eliminated those films because I didn't care about them at all. No, I just, uh, I will take my time and watch and focus on them. And it's related to the second thing I want to say to people. I watch these films in a very haphazard isn't the right way, but I'm not watching with the same AP lens I do in a regular episode where everything's shut off and I'm taking notes. I have a regular job, as do you. You know, it's usually on the background when I'm working or if I'm editing an episode or wrapping Christmas gifts, for example, you know, and it's watching things. It's a great things. time to check out uh, a teen movie for sure. <laughs> so, Yes, some would draw me in more where I would almost have to stop everything. Some did not. So these are just surveys of the films. Okay, great. Um, And I might ask questions about that as we go along. Was this a more casual or less casual watch? I'm I'm impressed that you can be editing and having something on in the background. I have trouble when there's two sets of words I need to listen to. So that's impressive. I actually prefer it. I'll almost over edit if it's just me in the words. Oh, sure. Does that translate to other things like when when you were doing homework in your life? Could you listen to music with words? See, that I can't do. Okay. Like I can't even write an outline for the show and have something on or like if I'm editing. If I'm writing, yeah. I can't do it. If I'm editing, it's almost like I it's almost like I have two brains, like one lies there, one yeah. you know. It's very weird, but like for example, if I'm watching Friends in the background and editing, Amen. easy. Because I no could problem. fill I could fill in the gaps in both ways, right? Yes. No, but I can't watch something for the podcast and be editing another podcast episode. Sure. Like, that won't work. 
But I, I took a lot of these movies in that fast food sense. I might rewind if I'm like, wait, how did we get here? You know? Yes, I do that too. So for all you, you know, slumbers out there, listeners out there, if you are familiar with one of these movies and you're like, he totally did not get this. There's a reason for that. And, and write us in and let us know. Yeah, let us know. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And while we're there, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Amen. If you're taking the time to correct us, you better also subscribe. <laughs> Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> a, a couple other caveats before we get into this. This will, this will likely be two to three episodes, guys. Because we're going to take You're our time. You're welcome. <laughs> Giving you that content, as always. On the last episode, whenever it may be, I'll kind of compile all the data and tell you a little bit more of my findings. Like, I like to see, you know, the ratio in genders of the director, for example. Totally. Uh, where we're getting it, right? Like, I, I'll just off the bat tell you, Hulu made a move this year. I watched more Hulu in the last two weeks than maybe I ever have, unless I was like binging a show that was on there. I don't know if it was successful, but they clearly said, let's buy up a lot of teen films. Let's dig into this. Could you add in also like demographic info, like how many or or what is maybe the percentage that have an LGBTQ um, For sure. relationship? What are, are we seeing stories from folks of color, like that kind of stuff as well? Absolutely. That was very important this year. Off the bat, I'll tell you, and again, I haven't compiled all my data, but two things stood out to me that were different than last year's. One, not a lot of YA adaptations. Is that over? I don't know. (laughs) Come on. We need need some of those authors to write some more books so that we can adapt them, maybe. Maybe uh, that's not what scripts are being bought. I'm not sure. And the Mm -hmm. second thing, pandemic, everyone's talking about it. We're in it. Not one film acknowledged it, had someone with a mask or anything like that. And I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. I, I did I think find it we'll interesting. I we'll see that next year. That's my yeah. hypothesis. Is that's that's going to be 2022. When I say looking forward to it, I'm not looking forward to it because I want to relive the pandemic. But I'm looking forward to seeing it because I've, I've always thought about, like, you know, art made during a certain time. Does it reflect what the actual lives of people are, right? Are, sure. are, we, are we going to see a teen movie where kids are you know, distance learning or going to high school with masks and stuff. And I don't know if people want to see that. Again, I'm not making a statement on that in that way. But I will say that I thought we might get that creep into a film here and nothing for this year. But you're probably right, Aislinn. That'll be next year's episode. I think, you know, thinking about how long it takes something. And then if we are taking into account again, like you've said, that intended to have a theatrical release that then had to pivot to streaming did perhaps that elongated the process or, you know, perhaps it took more time for things to come to fruition because of pandemic. And so we're not quite yet seeing the things that would have taken into account. And I am also um, like you curious, what is the appetite for that? Is Mm. it, you know, just thinking about, for instance, last summer, I was playing dolls with my niece and, we were putting them in outfits and, and they were going to go to the beach before they had a concert. They had a great life, these dolls. <laughs> um, and I said, I asked a question that would indicate COVID. And she just looked at me and she's like, we're not playing with COVID. We're just <laughs> playing dolls. And wow. Like, hey, wow. Fine then. 
then all the dolls can make out. Um, <laughs> but no, that's not what we were playing. Just to be clear, <laughs> didn't make a joke like that. Then they could all. It was uh, they were going to a concert, and I asked if I asked if they had were vaccinated. Anyway, <laughs> so I am curious what the appetite is, you know, for pandemic related or 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 stories that incorporate this. We're not going to be able to get away from it. And and I don't know about you, but I have a little bit of that it's not the full adrenaline but it's like the little spike of things when i'm watching something and i see people when i see a crowded room when i see i don't know um a spit take when i see something that now would be potentially dangerous or i understand the danger of it now but when it you know watching pre-pandemic uh content i get nervous when people are uh, close together. I don't know if that happens to other people or not. I mean, it was happening to me for a while. And then, you know, in New York, we kind of had just had to get back and doing it. Where I still get anxiety watching yeah. is uh, on mass transit in these movies, because, you know, I take the subway to go to work and that's still a very masked place. And even when I see someone on the subway without a mask, which is rare, but you see it, that gives me anxiety in real life. And to see you know, people on buses and trains and these movies. I'm like, oh, and they're like, wait a minute, it's a movie. (laughs) So yeah, no, I I definitely feel you with that. And uh, just to touch on another thing you said with uh, uh, how long it takes to produce movies and the year thing and the whole pandemic thing, I'm glad you bring that up because that's the last point I want to make before getting into these movies. Some of these movies, when you look them up, will say 2020 or even 2019 in certain places. And that's because a, a lot of them were indie films that were released in film festivals and not picked up for mass distribution until oh. 2021. So we oh, count okay. we count those as 2021 because that's when we would have had access to them. And you'll see even on Hulu, it'll say 2021. But when you Google it or IMDb it, it might say 2019 or 2018 because they're going by the festival release date r- rather gotcha. than the wide release date. So yeah, oh gotcha. So when it when it sort of hit the circuit, if you will, not when it was distributed for for mass consumption. Yeah, it's almost I like I didn't know that. Thank you. Yeah, for that. there's like two birth dates occasionally in movies, and I love a bonus birthday. <laughs> uh, so let's get started. And I thought a great place to get started was the first episode we ever did together on High School Slumber Party AP, and it was a 2021 movie, first time we had both seen it, and that's The Map of Tiny Perfect Things. Five, six, seven. Morning, Mark. Dance with me in my backyard. Hey, man. Hey. So I met this girl. Hi. Hi. Uh, I'm Mark. Dude, I saw you last night. You didn't tell me anything about the girl. This is gonna sound really strange. I was wondering, are you experiencing any kind of temporal anomaly? Listen, we're stuck in a time loop. You, me, everybody, same days repeating over and over again. Like in Groundhog Day and Edge of Tomorrow. Except only me and this girl Margaret know about it. And you don't remember any of this because your brain keeps getting erased. Oh. So, what have you been up to with infinite time? Oh, you know, like solving crimes and teaching myself how to drive. What the f- So you're into her? Well, like I'm not not into her. You ever wish that today happened on a different day? Just hoping we could talk about your future. Besides, who knows what they want to do when they're 17? I do. Aerospace engineer, specifically a NASA mission specialist. Wait, like an astronaut? Because that's cool. That's like a... Most of life is just junk. 
And then there's these moments when all the randomness turns into something perfect. That is disturbingly inspirational. What if we found them all? All the perfect things, we could collect them. Like partners? Oh, yes. Can I tell you a secret? With you, I don't have to pretend. <laughs> What is this? Oh, I dropped it. He made a map of us. I should go. And that was episode 196 of High School Slumber Party AP, the first AP episode. So that's a little confusing. It's 196 in the High School Slumber Party catalog, number one in AP. Absolutely. And what a great place to start. I, I found that movie delightful and I have recommended it to others as a way to introduce them to the podcast, but also just uh, looking for a movie. I'm thinking about, you know, young people that I know that might be caregivers for middle or high school students. I thought, well, that'd be a fun one everyone could watch together. And, you know, it's a little bit magical. And anyway, can you remind us some of the stats from the Math of Tiny Perfect thing? Absolutely. So remember, this wasn't streaming on Amazon, and Amazon either produced or distributed film. They pretty much, they backed this one. I think we both discovered it from, like, Amazon trailers and them really pushing it earlier in the year. Uh, the director was Ian Samuels, and it got a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes by the critics, 72% by the audience, uh, 3.3 on Letterboxd. But I think you and I liked it a bit more than all those scores. I agree. That being said, I I think a 76, tell me if I'm wrong, a 76 critical, that's a pretty solid score, is it not? Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially for a teen film. And again, if you know me, that's not condescending, but... No, it just is is what it is. But yeah, this movie looked good. Again, now that I have the rest of our AP episodes to compare it to, right, because this is the first one, so it was coming in with just sort of my catalog of teen films and having listened to... Y'all talk about um, uh, some teen films on on High School Slumber Party proper. But now that we've watched so many more, I think that has kind of bumped this one up a little bit in my... Nice. In in my mind, I, it was, I liked it when we started it. And as I compare it to some other things, I think that it it holds up. I, I think it's pretty high quality, if I yeah. say so. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a really fun movie. A lot of whimsy. There is, there, there is some death, just a warning. But there's a lot of that in this genre. But overall, I think I said this on the episode, and I'll say it again. I remember feeling really good after I finished it. And that's that's an important thing, I think. Such an important thing. And such an important thing, I would argue, for 2020 and 2021. So thinking, you know, if you are a person who maybe hasn't kept up with the AP things, you know, because you're more nostalgia-focused, or just haven't gotten around to it, I think this would be a satisfying watch. And yeah, it's just enough whimsy to kind of get us out of the pressure of the <laughs> current era. And uh, I should have mentioned this as another caveat, but these are spoiler-free spoiler, spoiler free, uh, segments we're doing. We want you to watch these movies or, or not watch theoretically. Well, I'll never tell you to, to not watch a movie, FYI. I'll just say how I felt. Maybe not never, <laughs> but because I, I think of my last, episode last year i think there was only a couple that i was like you should probably avoid this one but you'll strongly hear it in my voice if 
I didn't enjoy something. I'll be honest with you about it. And, and if it's AP, I will telegraph the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, <laughs> don't watch this. <laughs> the map of Tiny Perfect Things. So enjoyable. And the chemistry between uh, Catherine Newton and Kyle Allen, I think, was really, really awesome. Yep. I still remember that being a part of the film that I really liked. Anything else you remember from the film that really drew you in? Yeah. Yeah, I just, I guess I would reiterate just the quality all around. I think of other films we watched where I can point to like, ooh, that writing didn't work for me or, or what have you. And I, I feel like this was well done and we've alluded to it's a little bit magical. It's a little bit whimsical. And I think that allows the characters to have a kind of a lot of fun as well as dig deep. And so um, again, just a satisfying a satisfying watch um, all around. What would you say the genre of this film was, or just even sub-genre? Because again, now that we've watched a lot of these modern films together, I feel like you and I can group them with other films and compare. Yeah. You know what I mean? We wouldn't really put this with never, rarely, sometimes, always. It's not in that genre. No, and, and here, here's where I put this, honestly, is for me, it goes with Chocola and Waitress, which... I would, I'm not going to go as far as to say surreal, but I would say heightened realism. Also, um, safety not guaranteed. Um, oh, okay, so yeah. it, is, it is set in our world, but there are, whether it's otherworldly or magical or hyper-realistic aspects to it that drive the story in some way. So that did not answer the question very well. No, it, no but I think it did. Yeah, hyper-realism. It's a romance too, but it's not yeah. a, like, it's not like a... I don't know. I'm trying to put my finger on it as well. Here, here's something that I love. I love when there are two characters and like their chemistry is important and, and this and that. But the love story that's being told, it may have to do with other people that are mm. not necessarily the two that we are following. That's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. And I love stories like that. That reminds me of um, Wild, both the book and the movie really resonated with me and part of that was there's a line in it I'm going to get it wrong but where she talks about that like the true kind of love story of her life was her and her mother mm. and I find that so poignant and it that res also resonates but so I, I love when you're presented with a picture and here are the two people in it and through the story you will understand how kind of the other people around them are really driving it yeah no I like I've that. gone on too long I've gone no. on too long <laughs> I won't, I won't be able to do that with all of these because I have not seen all of these, which is part of why I am so excited to be here and to hear your thoughts on some of these because some of them are new to me. Yeah, and this next one uh, we're going to talk about, you have not seen Eyes or as far as I know, sorry. No. Nope. Like, there might be some that, you know, like, I actually did see this, so. Well. Yeah. <laughs> but this one, I want to talk about it next because it has a similar title and a similar feel in a sense to the map of tiny perfect things not in its surrealist sense but in the journey if you will okay and it also reminded me of another movie we covered this year all the bright places and the movie is called the ultimate playlist of noise i would like combine almost the map of tiny perfect things and all the bright places and like <laughs> whatever that child was is kind of this film called the ultimate playlist of noise okay Hi there, my name is Marcus Lund. The music is my escape into something bigger than myself. It sort of made me the resident playlist doctor at my school. I really love sounds. <laughs> Small sounds, big sounds, and everything in between. Spoiler alert, sometimes things change. 
because of the location of this tumor, you will lose your hearing. I just can't help but thinking about all the sounds I'm never going to get to hear. Plan was simple. I would road trip across America, recording all my favorite sounds before my surgery. The ultimate playlist of Holy shit! Oh my god. Oh my god. Hi. I'm Wendy. Head to New York. How long till we get there? We? Ooh, are those fun pills? What? Oh no, they're sad pills. <laughs> Look at those eyes. What are you doing? This is illegal. I'd totally go to jail for those eyes. Woo! So why a playlist? Watching people listen to it will be the next best thing to hearing it again. You ready? Okay, go. Yeah! Life's worth of hearing crammed into just one month. I want to watch that movie. So now I'm very curious. Maybe let's start with the stats of it and then tell me a little bit more about what you thought because the trailer looks quite compelling. So this film it was streaming on Hulu. Again, you'll hear that a lot, Hulu. Directed by Bennett Lasseter. I actually, so I enjoyed the film. Okay. I try my best to not read anything and just watch the films, right? This one, though, I wanted to know who one of the actors was and I looked at the Wikipedia and I accidentally read this criticism. It received mixed reviews from critics who praised the performances of Johnson and Brewer as well as their chemistry together, but criticized the film's predictability and over-reliance on cliches. And while yes, I agree, there were some of that in the film, this is what I do. I watch these teen films, right. so there are going to be these cliches. And cliches to me are like chocolate chip cookies, right? You can identify them from far away and... Sometimes they're quite satisfying. Great. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Great metaphor. So when I say the scores, critical score, 43%. Audience score, 65%, a little bit better. But on Letterboxd, 3.2, which is almost identical to the 3.3 of the map of Tiny Perfect Things. I don't know. I felt like maybe the critics didn't give this film a chance. And I have some theories, which we'll get into later. There were some parts of this film that I really, really liked. Essentially, the movie is is about uh, you know someone who is about to lose their hearing um, because of a, a surgery, and basically wants to find every beautiful and great sound there is in this world. He's known in his school for making these wonderful playlists, and there's this right. great montage in the film of like you know people will ask for a playlist about something, and he'll make it. Like this one teacher has a crush on this other teacher, so he makes a playlist. And the teachers get together based on this Aww. playlist, right? Like, he, he's great at making this playlist, uh, these sure. playlists. So sound is a big part of his identity for himself, but also in his community. Yes, previously to knowing that he's going to lose his hearing. Right. So when he finds this out, he decides to take this road trip. I say he, I should acknowledge the actor, right? Kian Johnson, he plays Marcus, our lead here. Uh, he, I think he does an excellent job. The film does get a little tough at times. I see where there are cliche parts. Uh, Madeline Brewer plays Wendy. She, she's been in a bunch of stuff. Uh, you can look her up. Yeah, she looked familiar to me. In the movie, are they meant to be contemporary in ages? I'm not sure. I had that question. If I was watching a little bit more for AP, I would have wrote it down. I had that question throughout because she looks a little older. 
she's not in school and he is. That, yeah, that was sort of, yeah, part of it. Also, whose parents let them go? What kid with a tumor gets to go on a road trip by himself? I'm just saying. Not my parents. In the movie, there's a lot of struggle with the parents. They, okay. They do not want him to go. Like, he kind of... <laughs> You know, not to spoil it, but he kind of has to sneak off. So gotcha, okay. don't, don't worry. Her character, I could see some people not enjoying. And at the beginning, I was like, oh, this is maybe a little bit one note. Eventually, I, I actually really enjoyed her character. There is a, a dark twist. I'm not going to spoil what it is, but there is a dark twist in the film. Okay. So, you know, maybe it will be something we cover on AP. I think it would be a very fun conversation to have about this film. I'm curious your thoughts. I'd love to give it another watch. It's it's again. It's definitely. I don't know. It, it definitely pulls at you, right? Okay. I think there will be a few opportunities here where folks listening to this episode let us know if if you want us to cover something on AP, you know. And this this certainly, like you're saying, could be a contender, if you will. So let us know if if you want us to have that conversation, you know, recorded for your enjoyment. <laughs> I hope someone says something about this movie. I hope someone has seen this movie because I'd love to know more people's thoughts. I thought it was shot really nice. I love a road trip film. You know, those were the positives. Again, not everything I enjoyed about this film. Having not seen it, I, I would question also, I mean, I certainly anyone who is approaching a surgery that's going to change their life or again, alter how they interact with the world, that's a serious issue. And also, I would be, hmm, there are sometimes in movies, people approach that with a, oh, my life is over because X, Y, Z has happened to me. And, and I am aware of, and sometimes I'm in conversation with folks from maybe, let's say, a disability community or um, you know, thinking about things more in- inclusively and how folks navigate the world in a lot of different ways that I'm also curious how they sort of handle that here, which would make me, you know, want to watch it and also make me a little nervous about how that is portrayed. Thinking about what is that movie? It's not a teen movie. Um, Amelia Clark and, and Sam Claflin and he's in a wheelchair. And Oh, yeah, yeah. There was stuff that was like pretty darn offensive, if you will, <laughs> from my perspective in that. Watching the trailer makes me intrigued and makes me wonder how they handle kind of that. And, and I wonder if he finds himself where he, where he thinks he will post-surgery. So I, I would also look forward to, to seeing that and, and talking through some of those things. So it's a bit of a personal thing with me, and I'm, I'm not comparing myself at all to this character, but I'm progressively losing my hearing in my left ear. I'm almost uh, probably like 80 to 90% deaf in my left ear now. I've always thought about like, you know, I podcast, I do this, you know, what if I lost all my hearing, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's it's a question I've thought about myself. So maybe that's why the movie has intrigued me a little bit. One thing that I did want to bring up, though, is that this film might have gotten the poor reviews. It came out with a litany of other death and hearing loss related films Right. One of them was called The Sound of Metal. Are you familiar with that one? I am because um, I, I, I don't want to objectify people. <laughs> and yet, we all, I always do and, and because people do. And in fact, when I worked on a campus, I had a jar and it was called the too far jar. It wasn't the swear jar because when things are bullshit, we can say they're bullshit. 
one, it was helping me with language with students that were new to me. If I misgendered someone, I would put a quarter in the jar. And I did that with the permission of the folks in my community. I wasn't just doing that. I, did, I don't mean to turn that into a game, but it was a way for me to help correct myself and to demonstrate that I was trying. And also, if I objectified a human, I would put a quarter in a jar. And so I would like to go ahead and put 50 cents in to say that I'm a big fan of Riz Ahmed. I think he's very talented and very charismatic, and I enjoy, I enjoy him very much. So yes, I'm familiar with that movie. <laughs> Don't worry. A lot of quarters have been put in jars on High School Slumber Party, if that's the case. So <laughs> all good. So yeah, so that's a, I mean, it's not a teen film, but it's a similar. No. Right. But someone whose life, um, whose identity is is wrapped up in, in sound, then having to grapple with, with losing that component of their identity. And a very good movie. I think it was nominated for some stuff at the Academy Awards. Yeah, right? it was like, definitely. Yeah. So, so when you're comparing like a teen film with that, you know. Sure. And not every movie is for everyone. And, and I think that's the beauty of, of art. I'm glad we have multiple. So, and speaking of multiple, there was another film that came out that we're actually going to talk about today in 2021. And that was Coda. Yeah. Oh, sometimes I get a good feeling. Yeah. You're the girl with the dead family? Yeah. yeah. I just want to tell you right now. And you sing. Interesting. Something's got a hold on me here. What are you doing next year? Working with my family. Let me tell you now, I've got a feeling. I feel so I've been coaching for Berkeley College of Music. I can help you get a scholarship. Coda streaming on Apple TV, directed by Sean Hedder. A lot of critical buzz around Coda. 96% by the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 93% by the audience, 3.9 on Letterboxd, which is amazing. No one wants to cross Marley Matlin. <laughs> and I can't blame them, right? Myself included. No, no. I've, 
I have loved Marley Madeline. I can't even tell you. My whole life. My whole life. I have loved her. I've, I've read her book. Oh, cool. So I was very excited and when this movie came out. And I think we talked about it. We just haven't covered it yet, in part because because we want a guest with us. But we have plans. We have loose plans to cover it, correct? Yes, this has been on our you know tentative schedule that we've discussed. So we will definitely, definitely be covering this one at some point. What were your thoughts initially? I mean, no spoilers, remember. Yes, no spoilers. I will say that Again, because I have sort of a, I don't want to say predilection. Um, I went to a preschool that was for deaf and, and hearing kids. So everything in my preschool was signed and spoken. And so that being such a young age, sign has always been something I've looked for. It's, uh, I did a project in high school that revolved around sign. It was the foreign language I took in college. And then I happened to get a job at one of the three universities that has an interpreting degree as well as like a deaf studies degree. So this is an area that I continue to seek to understand better. And so I was so happy to see a story like this, um, a family like this, and then some actors that I've, I've seen in other things because I do seek out content that includes deaf actors. Again, it's just something that's been sort of in my life all the way through. So I have no spoilers. I think it's a really interesting, I mean, truly this is a story about a family, right? And it's, a, it's about growing up and it's about finding your own path and how that can be painful at times. You put it so well where this is like about family. I, I thought the family were so good. Um, Amelia Jones plays uh, the lead here, Ruby Rose. She is not deaf in real life or in the movie. Yep, but she's hearing. her entire family is. And like you said, they're played by actors who are also all deaf. And they're excellent. I mean, look, I obviously knew Mar- Marley Matlin, right? Of Children of a Lesser God, of course. West Wing. West Wing. But had you, had you seen any of these other actors? Because they're excellent. Uh, very excellent. Um, yes, some of them, yes. Some of them, no. Again, because they're, uh, d- you know, deaf folks have been marginalized, mm-hmm. certainly, and are marginalized, and have. So here, I don't know how to say, sign language is a language, right? And I think sometimes folks don't understand that in that it has nuance, it has idioms, it has kind of all, everything that a language has. And so it's not even a direct translation. Mm -hmm. People like me, who are not very good, (laughs) sort of sign English, which is more like word-for-word translation, which is not the same thing. And so to see see folks speak this language, putting it in quotes, that is a fully realized language, I love seeing that portrayed in media because because there are a lot of folks in the world that that is how they communicate. And I, I like kind of the up uplifting of deaf culture and it can be like all kind of subcultures it can be kind of insular and there's there's in groups and out groups and and again that can be tough especially you know for folks that kind of are straddling the worlds which is often the case for you know a, a, a child of deaf adults which is what coda means you know as a kid you might end up translating for your parents which is not ideal 
whether that's at a parent-teacher conference or at a doctor's office or, you know, kind of various things. Um, I forgot your question. I've gone on and on. I do know some of these actors. I don't know all of them, again. <laughs> but I think also if, you, if folks are interested and kind of look into it, deaf theater has also has a rich history, and that's what I wanted to say. Deaf culture um, within that deaf performance, there's a rich history there as well. And so seeing a little bit of that for a mainstream, in quotes, audience, I think is great. I, and I think that's a lot of what, you know, Marley Matlin's body of work has included. Not always. Another reason I love her is that she's, I feel like she's great at kind of choosing her, her roles in terms of some things are meant to help bring people in. So for instance, one of my favorite musicals is Spring Awakening. And um, gosh, what year would it have been? maybe 2014, 2015, they did a deaf spring awakening on Broadway where actors signed and sang and Marley Mantle was part of that. And, and that was very much bringing this legacy of performance to the mainstream. And then you have West Wing where it wasn't really about that, right? Her character was a lot of things and happened to be deaf, but that was not kind of the driving force. Mm -hmm. Even in her, she was a lobbyist. She wasn't, it wasn't about that either you know she was a lobbyist for other things and so i i i love how she has over her career like she will hit you over the head with it but then she will also just be a person in the world um again i'm talking too long and you can absolutely cut any of that that you want but i get jazzed about this stuff and so we must have an episode about coda i i have people i want to contact i wanted to wait till after the holidays because I think we're going to need a guest and an interpreter to truly have this conversation. Can't wait for that. I loved Coda. I cried at the end of Coda. Like, Coda was awesome. I love the setting. I love a good New England harbor town. That's pretty much, you know, one of my happy places. But oh, that's fun. I didn't know that. The language aspect of it, I was so intrigued by. Um, so, you know, just because of my... Again, I'm not comparing myself to anyone in these films, obviously, but just because I don't have the best hearing. Um, I always watch movies with subtitles. And I put on what I thought were the correct subtitles for me on Apple TV. And I was very confused. And I thought it was an artistic choice because none of the signing was subtitled. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And so I watched like a half hour of the movie that way. And I'm like, can this really be like people? And then... I uh, went into the settings and realized that there are two subtitle settings, one for everything and one for, you know, if you know American Sign right. Language. if you sign, yeah. Yeah. So, one, I thought that was really cool. I compare it to kind of, uh, you know, being a Dominican-American myself, a lot of Spanish stuff, and specifically Dominican stuff that I know, a lot of the nuance of any language, but just for me personally, a lot of the nuance is lost in translation, um, and I imagined how much nuance, as much as I enjoyed the movie, I imagined how much nuance I was missing not knowing uh, American Sign Language like that. Sure. I just thought that was really, really cool. And you could tell that they really, really cared. And that's not to say that the ultimate playlist of noise did not care about these things, but it's so much more a part of this film. It's and this a, it's is. It's a different culture. Yeah, yeah. And this film is like on a different level. Not to say one level's better than another level, but this is just a different kind of film. And yeah. this is one that I'll say everyone should definitely watch Coda. I thought it was awesome. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I like the teacher too. I thought he was an interesting character. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're so, yeah, this, this was great. We'll talk about it more. And again, please cut out some of my rambling there because it wasn't good. And I'm going to repeat it when we talk um, about the whole movie probably. So I loved your rambling, but okay, okay. well, I'll find something. <laughs> I'll find something to cut out. Uh, <laughs> if anyone's ever heard, listened to High School Slumber Party, and be weird if this is your first episode, but maybe it is, you know I like a good ramble and I enjoy listening to people speak. So that's not, you know, that's not something oh, we dissuade here. I, I did actually, the the trailer for uh, The Ultimate Playlist of Noise um, reminded me, do you have a favorite word to hear or say? You know, is there a collection of sounds that that is perfect to you? I was thinking about that while watching the movie, and I think that I am going to take that homework and really, really think about that one because I don't, I don't know. There has to be things, but I guess I just haven't appreciated sound enough to take stock in what mm-hmm. those would be. Why do you have something that's your favorite? Yes, um, my favorite word is clackamas. Clackamas. And it's a a county and a a town in Oregon. I loved it before Uh, I lived in Oregon. When I first sort of heard it, it's satisfying in like the harshness of the consonants, but then it ends in a soft place. And so I just, I like the, I feel like it comes on with a bang and then has a resolution. Clackamas. (laughs) I like, oh, place names. Yeah, there's definitely place names that every time I pass, like on the highway, my wife will yell at me like, you literally say that out loud every time. <laughs> like like Syosset, a town on Long Island. I don't know why. That's Syosset, right. right? <laughs> I love it. Um, so yeah, I got to think about more of those. Interesting. We'll talk about it more when we talk about Coda on High School Slumber Party AP. Or even the ultimate playlist of noise. Very true. Now, uh, Coda, I believe, is getting some Oscar buzz. I certainly hope it'll get some Oscar noms, right? This next film is also getting some Oscar buzz. I think mainly because very famous director that a lot of uh, people enjoy the films of, and that's Paul Thomas Anderson, and the film is Licorice Pizza. It's a god-awful small affair To the girl with the mousy hair I met the girl with Mary one day. But her mommy is yelling no And her daddy has told her to go Listen, young lady. But her friend is nowhere to be seen. So how'd you become such a hot shot actor? I'm a showman. That's what I'm meant to do. To the seat with the clearest view. And she's hooked to the silver screen. Do you know who I am? Yeah. Do you know uh, who my girlfriend is? Barbara Streisand? Barbara Streisand. Sand. Sand, yeah, like sands. Like the ocean, like beaches. Barbara Streisand? <sighs> no, but Streisand. Sand. But the film is a sad thing. This is faith that brought us together. But she's lived ten times or more. Our roads took us here. She could spit in the eyes of fools. You're not my director. Do you really want to see my boobs? Can I touch them? See you tomorrow. It's weird to hang out with Gary and his friends all the time. <laughs> I think it's weird that I hang out with Gary and his 15-year-old friends all the time. We just covered Licorice Pizza here on High School Slumber Party, uh, episode 272. This came out in New York and L.A. Uh, I think 
yeah, Thanksgiving weekend, I saw it, but just came out Christmas weekend around the country, so wouldn't be surprised if most of you haven't seen, especially the spiking COVID numbers since that time. Aislinn, you asked me if I had gone to the theater. Yeah. And I thought this was my first movie back, but actually now I remember my first movie going back to the theater was actually a Fast and Furious movie at the behest of the Godfather himself, Joey Lewandowski, Joe 2 in the Fast and Furious I squad mean, there. <laughs> you have to you have to worship at the altar of, <laughs> of Fast and the Furious, so I understand. That was first, but the second back was Licorice Pizza. P.T. Anderson's uh, new film, and saw it for a couple reasons, obviously for High School Slumber Party. I am a P.T. Anderson fan as well. But also, uh, first podcast I had here on the Cage Club Podcast Network was P.S. I Love Hoffman, the Philip Seymour Hoffman podcast, and his son, Cooper Hoffman, is in the film. We never thought, me, I say we, my partner Kyle Reinford and I never thought we'd be able to do a new Hoffman film, because obviously Philip Seymour Hoffman passed away. But with his son being in this one, we took it as an opportunity to get to do that and revive the show a little bit, which was awesome. And he was great in the movie. I really enjoyed the film. It has a couple moments that I would definitely delete um, (laughs) that I can't believe they got away with. And I don't mean that in a ha-ha silly way. I I meant that in a cringe way. And I don't know why they were in there. And everyone I've talked to has said the same thing. So it's not just me. Otherwise... Maybe my favorite film of the year or one of my favorite films of the year for sure. I'm putting it up there. But again, it was made for me, right? Like a high school film, son of an actor I really, really like. And I'm not just into nepotism, people. We didn't know we were getting this. And I'm a big Paul Thomas Anderson fan. So do you have a, the other than this, just so I can get like a a better sense, because you and I have not ever talked uh, P.T. Anderson. What is, what would you say is your favorite if this is not in the running, what would be your favorite P.T. Anderson? Boogie Nights. Definitely Boogie Nights. Oh. A lot of nudity, a lot of cursing, a lot of violence. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a lot of that in Licorice Pizza. There's no nudity. Oh, really? Yeah. I assumed there would be breasts. I don't know why. Uh, Alana Haim is amazing. Okay. Like, amazing. All, all of the band Haim is in the film in one way or another. I, I could see some people not liking it. It's one of those rambling P.T. Anderson movies. It's not like beginning, middle, end kind of thing. Um, what were your What are your thoughts on Licorice Pizza? I know you haven't seen it, but maybe you hate P.T. Anderson. Let us know. I like P.T. Anderson, but I don't run out to, you know what I mean? Like I, I respect the craft, but I don't follow the career that closely necessarily. The trailer made me think think that there might be some cringes in it but I don't know if they're the same cringes you had and so I definitely I have purposefully not listened to the episode because I wanted to watch it first so I'll have to come back to an episode of AP and let you know yeah that totally makes sense the story is about a young child star you know living his life essentially in California in the 70s you know he gets acquainted with um when I say an older woman, she's 25, so she's older than yeah. him, right? <laughs> I don't I want to make that clear. <laughs> an older woman. <laughs> they kind of build this friendship that, yeah, at times is... I, I don't want to spoil it, but it does, it does teeter on romance. But not a lot of cringe, believe it or not, comes from that aspect of the story. Oh, okay. there, look, there is some of it for sure. He's definitely into her and and at times but they do have a genuine genuine friendship 
for more of the film. I'm not necessarily saying, you know, that it ends there or whatever, but it kind of breaks off into a lot of the uh, different stories of these characters. And we really, you know, focus on what their lives are like and the characters that just pass through, like Bradley Cooper plays, you know, disgusting producer, essentially, but he's hilarious at it. It looks like the actors in it are having a lot of fun. Yeah. You know oh, what I mean? 100%. 100%. Sean Penn is excellent in it. It's just like this blowhard. It's very... He does a great job to capture that era in California at that time. An excellent job at that. There are cringe moments that come from that and come from mm-hmm. the culture that was around at that time for sure. Sure. Some of that, like I said, 90 per- 90% of that was great and a sign of the times and, and okay because it was in the movie. There were a couple moments, again, I'm not, I don't want to spoil anything, but that I was like, even though that might have happened at the time, I would not have included it in the film. Yeah. Otherwise, I love the film. It might be my favorite of his, maybe just because of the subject matter. I need to watch it again. You know, I highly recommend if you're into P.T. Anderson... Mm. That does not mean, again, it gets 100%. Everything in the film does not get 100% my stamp of approval that I'm okay with it. But if people who are worried about that age dynamic thing, it's not as crazy as it would seem by any means, you know? The main storyline between Alana Haim and Cooper Hoffman is not leveraged in a disgusting way. I'll, I'll just put it that In my opinion. Maybe other people will see it differently. But I know that people have asked it's me that it. question. Yeah, so that's my question. Because there is a double standard around this and we see it manifest in a lot of different ways with age, and if the genders were swapped, would you be able to say the same thing? I would be able to say the same thing. Yes, I'm glad you asked that question. And if there was any moment in the film that I would have been like, ooh, you know, it would have been the same either way. Which, which, which. Okay. No, I think, I think that's great. Which I appreciated. Which, you yeah. know, it wasn't like. I'll be honest with you, I still hear from some of my more ignorant friends, and I'll call them that, like, when there is a role reversal on an age difference, and especially, like, a young man like that, like, oh, he got with his teacher? That's cool, you know? Right. And that's and not cool. <laughs> no, I mean, the media does that, too. It's it's really, yeah, it's, uh, you've, you've stumbled upon another area that I could wander through all day. <laughs> But we are not going to. I did want to just say, though, this is the first. Well, would you give the stats for us? Because I want to ask a question about it. Definitely, definitely. So the stats, critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 92%. Audience score, 77%, which is a lot lower than where it was. The other thing about this is scores are still actively rolling in. Like like you say, this came out um, limited a month ago this week more widely and the movie-going habits are still highly impacted by pandemic and what's going on. And so I, I think that this is, if we checked it again in a month, it would be different, likely. Good call. Definitely, definitely good call there. That's, that's 100% true. Letterboxd, 4.1, which is a crazy, crazy high score. But I'm not surprised, like, P.T. Anderson is like a letterbox god. You know, the film nerds love him. If P.T. Anderson wanted to feel good about himself, he would probably go on Letterboxd, you know. He probably wouldn't go on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Maybe critics score on Rotten Tomatoes, but Magnolia, for example, not my favorite P.T. Anderson movie. 
not by a long shot. Probably being one of my you know, in, near the bottom. Some people say that's Speaking the greatest. Speaking of dog, yes, actually. Some people say that's the, to them the greatest film of all time, and I could see why a lot of people just would not get that film. This is not a director for everyone in every film he makes, but there seems pretentious is a bad word, but there seems to be a subset of people who really, really enjoy film that really, really enjoy his work. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah, it, it absolutely resonates. I, I um, so four point one, I think. I don't see a lot of fours come through. So that that struck me. And you're right. There's, I think there's a Venn diagram of like film lovers and um, P.T. Anderson fans where there's a big middle, you know, part in that that are on Letterboxd for sure. I didn't know Cooper Hoffman was a person. <laughs> Has he been in other things? No, I didn't either. So um... like, is he an actor? He, so P.T. Anderson, you know, he's since he's this pretty much now one of these people who can make any movie he wants and it'll get made. Like he doesn't need to tell anyone what it's about, which is like sure. a, a rare power people. Absolutely. Some people have. Um, we could probably count on one hand the amount of people who have that power. Maybe all two. the white men who have that power. We could count Very on one true. Hand. Very true. Basically had this movie in his head, wrote the movie. He's directed a lot of uh, high end music videos. And he's friends with Alana Haim, and he envisioned this character for her, wrote it for her, couldn't find a lead. And Philip Seymour Hoffman was such a big part of his films. Absolutely. And he's a pretty private guy. I know he's married to Maya Rudolph, and, you know, he's done all that, like, stuff. And he's in celebrity communities, I suppose, but he's a pretty private guy. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and was a private guy so i didn't really know much about his personal life except like what wikipedia would say or whatever sure but uh through interviews now apparently he's really since philip Seymour Hoffman's passing really kind of looked after um cooper hoffman i'm assuming the other children like they've maintained a friendship and stuff and when he was casting the movie he couldn't really find someone right for the role and he was literally like hey why doesn't cooper do it and Honestly, sometimes that works out, and sometimes it doesn't. We've seen where it doesn't work out. Absolutely. But I'm not just saying because of bias. He did great in the film. And you can tell from P.T. Anderson's interviews with it, he was so... He, he's a father, and I think he feels like... I, I don't know if he feels like Alana Haim is his daughter, but he definitely feels like she's family, and he definitely feels like he's family. And he definitely treated them as such. Like He's like, the most important thing was that he got enough rest that, you know, I didn't put enough pressure on him. And if you notice, like, there's no interviews still with Cooper Hoffman. Like, they are are just (laughs) keeping him away from the Hollywood bullshit. Yeah, interesting. And he was able to do that. And apparently he wanted to, and he was very happy doing it. So that made me happy. And he's also, he's not a carbon copy of his father, and he didn't try to be his father. He's, there's definitely a little bit in there, but he, he's very much his own actor. And as... Everyone who listens to this podcast knows I watch a lot of teens act. Yeah, you do very much. Yep. And he he's great. So I don't know if he wants to do a movie again. He might not want to do a, another movie ever. Who knows? But both him and Alana Heim, first timers and excellent. Woo! I love it. <laughs> now I talk for too much. So the next movie we we're going to talk about, though, was the third film I saw in the theaters post-pandemic. And so so far, the last film... This film broke the box office record since the pandemic has started. Um, a lot of people loved it. 
Spider-Man No Way Home. Ever since I got bit by that spider, I've only had one week where my life has felt normal. That was when you found out. When you botched that spell where you wanted everyone to forget the Peter Parker Spider-Man. We started getting some visitors. From every universe. Hello, Peter. You're not Peter Parker. I'm sorry, what was your name again? Dr. Otto Octavius. <laughs> Wait, no, seriously, what's your actual name? There are others out there. We need to send them back. So, Scooby-Doo this crap. You know, all this is kind of your mess. I know a couple of magic words myself, starting with the word please. Please, Scooby-Doo this crap. You're flying out into the darkness to fight ghosts. What do you mean? They all die fighting Spider-Man. It's their fate. I'm sorry, kid. Yeah, me too. So, Eisen, off the bat, I'll ask you, because I know you don't like a lot of moving things and and <laughs> stuff like that, but... You're like a very still picture. <laughs> are you into these Marvel movies at all? Are you familiar? Well, I know you're familiar with them. You live in this world, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I will be honest with y'all that I am very behind in the Marvel universe. And particularly as it relates to this iteration of Spider-Man, I have not seen any of the Spider-Man titled things. I have seen Tom Holland play Spider-Man, you know, when he shows up in some of the others, but I have not. And to be fair, I had not seen any Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. I have not seen any uh, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. I have watched several times and love Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That I think is an outstanding film. And that is my Spider-Man story. I don't understand why this particular property continues to be made and made and made. Perhaps we can get into it. Perhaps we won't. I, I very much like Zendaya as a figure and an activist, but I have no, I don't know anything about it, but I'm looking at these stats and I am interested in your thoughts so tell us the stats and then tell us your thoughts please because this is wild so you mentioned zendaya you mentioned tom holland directed by john watts uh, critical score 93 percent audience score 98 percent which Are is people just happy to be out of their houses insane no no, no. letterbox 4.3 percent so backstory for me well, we've, we've covered the Tom Holland films on High School Slumber Party because they are very much high school Spider-Man films. Mm-hmm. The other ones were, but those, they very much focus on his high school problems. We're in the hallways. So it's not just like a Marvel film that happens to have a teenage hero. They're high school stories as well. But we had Spider Month here in High School Slumber Party. December, we covered all the high school adjacent Spider-Man movies 
that we hadn't yet covered on here. So that was the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, the first one. Um, and then The Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield and The Amazing Spider-Man 2 with Andrew Garfield and Into the Spider-Verse, which I agree is excellent, right? I grew up on Spider-Man, just watching the cartoon show, comics. The Tobey Maguire Spider-Man was my thing. When the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man came out, I was not a part of it. I was like, why are they remaking this? This is dumb. I bring all this up because <laughs> I cried during this film. <laughs> and I okay. look, I enjoyed it. It was a crowd pleaser. Were you in the theater? In the theater. I'd never been in an audience like that that was having so much fun being there and just getting so excited for every twist and turn. Some people say fan service is a bad thing. It's only a bad thing when it's not done right. They gave us everything we wanted. But again, it was so emotional because I watched all them in a row leading up to it. So going in, like they, they had so many great lines from all those other movies, like great things that were callbacks to that, that it's so hard not to spoil. But it delivered in every way you can imagine does it deserve 4.3 is it like one of the greatest movies of all time in that respect in terms of crowd pleasingness yes in terms of like cinema cinema yes like this is not like i like pt anderson and spider-man so what i'm about to say is not true but that pt anderson crowd i was talking about is not necessarily the marvel crowd you know right you you overlap both but (laughs) that is not necessarily (laughs) Uh, their core audience. No, and I'm not I'm not the guy who has to go to the opening night of every MCU or Marvel film. I've seen almost all of them. I caught up on all of them during the pandemic, to be honest with you. But I've seen almost all of them. I have friends of mine, friends I went with, who watch every trailer, read, you know, all the literature, try to guess what's going to happen. I don't like to do that because I just want, you know, whatever happens to happen. But it delivered in, in every kind of way. Some people are saying it should be nominated for an Oscar. I do not agree with that. Different kind of movie, okay? <laughs> I just don't agree with that. I'm sorry. I just don't like, I don't see that being a thing. But in terms of, again, feel good, crowd pleasingness, Zendaya, always great. Tom Holland, always great. The surprises were amazing. And to get Alfred Molina back, to get Willem Dafoe back and just acting his ass off and just. <laughs> Like he cared, like every like you. I forget what movie you mentioned where it seemed like everyone was having fun. It might have been Licorice Pizza. It was Licorice Pizza, yeah. This as well. Everyone seemed like they were having such fun doing their things that I definitely want to see it again. Feel good, and I think yeah, I think there is a part of it is like being at home in the pandemic, going to the theater, watching this movie, and that is something I did miss that I really got in Licorice Pizza and Spider Man that crowd response when something is going right on screen. I yeah. love sitting at home and watching movies, trust me. I'm not the person who even... Like, if it's on demand, I'm probably watching it on demand over going to the theater. Amen. But I'm tempted now to go back, aside from now all these cases going up, and I can't wait till things get a little bit better so I can go to the movies again because right. the, the energy there, I can't explain. There's like an adrenaline that that I'll never be able to replicate at home unless I get like... Stranger, like, right? Sorry, I'm going on. I know that feeling. When I tell you what I was watching, you're not going to believe me. The first Henry Cavill um, Superman. Oh, okay. I'm not comparing the films. I'm comparing the audience. So Mm -hmm. they did a lot of signposting about Kansas. 
because that's oh. where Superman's from. And I was in Kansas yeah, watching it with cool. a Kansas Superman audience. And they even like, they were wearing t-shirts like from the different universities and towns. Like there were so many times that the audience would notice something and interact with it. And that, so I know that that energy of, of fans being satisfied, I can put myself in that space again. Nice. I was not in the middle of it. I was sort of observing it as a phenomenon, which actually we talked about favorite word. <laughs> My favorite sociology term is collective effervescence. Ooh. And that is what we're talking about. When a group of individuals come together for a purpose, it often happens in religious experiences or sports experiences or this kind of movie where we all have, right, where we are all, we're feeding off of each other's energy and we go from being individuals to a crowd. That's what you're talking about is collective effervescence. And it's very cool when it happens. And I'm so glad you had that experience. And if we can all just make good choices so that in the future we can have more collective effervescence that would be great but this is not a political program <laughs> no it's not but i love the collective effervescence thing because i always struggle like like i love sports right and there's a lot of people in my life who don't love sports and they'll come to me and say i just don't get sports you know and i understand that but like the best thing i can compare it to is what I like live sports, I'll say what I experienced in that theater watching Spider Man. Yeah. So, and that's what, and that's what it is collective effervescence. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Happy you brought up that Kansas thing too, because another reason why I love Spider Man so much and why I get a kick out of the movies is that, like, I was born in Queens. A lot of my family lives in Queens. Spider Man from Queens, and the movies do kick back a lot to Queens. And the next movie we're going to talk about was not a big budget movie at all. This was a small indie film that appeared on HBO Max, but took place in Queens, a real Queens story, and it was called Boogie. We never expected to have freedom or independence or equality in this country. But it doesn't matter what the challenges are. You run through that wall. Whether you know it or not, right here, right now, you are a coming-of-age story. Mr. Alfred, welcome to AP English. I prefer my stripper name, Boogie. No one believes in an Asian basketball player. It's a joke in this country. We can cook, clean, count real good, but anything else, we pick last. Cause I got it on me. But if you stick to our plans and we beat Monk, we'll get our shot at the NBA. Look, have mercy on me. Yo, who is that? Oh, that's Eleanor. He could get it if he stops staring. Have mercy on me. As a self-hating China man, I was skeptical about the I see you, Zaddy. What's up, Wong Tong Soup? Come on, back in the locker room. All right, all right. Dao Qian. Have mercy on me. Sorry, Coach Hawkins and Principal Kodak. It's not necessary. This is our culture. Alfred has parents who value respect and discipline. And without them, we are nothing. Yeah, I don't cry no more. You don't want to know what's going on in my house. My mom, she's responsible, but she doesn't believe in me. My dad is irresponsible, but he believes in me. What's up, I grow. You can run up if you want. I've got to represent. I got 5,000 years of Chinese history. 
It's a lot of pressure. I know how you feel, but you have a chance to change history. Have mercy, have mercy, have mercy on me. I need you to fight for yourself the same way you fight for being Chinese. This has always been about you. Your plan to beat Monk. So what are you gonna do? I got it on, got it on. Have mercy on me. That looks good. Yeah, okay, so I had seen this trailer, and you're right. It did look good. Yeah. Are they meant to be in high school? Number one. Yes, very much they are meant to be in high school. And here lies some of the problems with this film. Everything but in college. Everything on paper I love about this film. On paper, right? Like I said, Queen's story. I love basketball. Really cool. You know, Queen's has a huge Asian American community and cool that they're like focusing on that. And sports and masculinity. I mean, I think there's so many things that are of right now in pro- and, and things that should have been, you know, discussed earlier, but but certainly it feels very timely and an important component of conversation for sure. And yet... So with all those aspects, I think it still did well with. Just the negative is... Let's get to the stats and that'll prompt the negative here. So it's directed by Eddie Huang. I don't know if you're familiar with Eddie Huang, but he's like one of these... Not really a director. Well, he is a director of a movie, but... That's not his main thing, right? Okay. He wrote this book called Fresh Off the Boat, which was turned into yeah. a TV show. Yep. Which he is a part of. Very so popular TV show. Very popular, right? Uh, he, he owns restaurants, cookbooks. He's an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur, a renaissance man, if you will. He's in the movie as well. He's an actor in this movie as well, right? Okay. I kind of think he's doing too many things or just maybe has too many jobs here. I'm trying to be nice about this. Like, I, I felt like... He put a little too much personal into the movie. Some of the lines read like him directly speaking to us and not words coming Mm -hmm. out of a high schooler's mouth. Sure. And you're right. They don't really look like high schoolers, especially our lead here. Neither lead. Neither. But Taylor Takahashi plays Alfred Boogie Chin, who's like the main basketball player dude in the film. Looks great. He's, I think, 28, which... We've seen older. True. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's not built like a high schooler. And I read that, the, and not to discredit him, but he's also Eddie Huang's personal assistant in real life, or he served yeah. as that before. So to me, it feels, this sounds bad, but it feels like rich dude who wanted to tell a story who maybe wasn't told no on a couple things. Sure. So I do, as a devil's advocate, please. we just talked about licorice pizza and we just talked about P.T. Anderson and pulling Cooper uh, Hoffman from anonymity and, and Heim that's already popular and whatever. So I'm not saying this, but I'm just... No, I'm glad you brought it up. My question is, so what, what is different? And it can be like quality of script and, and the way the story is told and... And certainly experience, right? P.T. Anderson has more experience doing this, it sounds like, than Eddie Wong does. But it's it's interesting because some of the ingredients are very similar. A hundred percent. And that's absolutely why I mentioned it when I mentioned the P.T. Anderson thing, that I said sometimes it works, sometimes yeah. it doesn't work. I'm glad you asked the question of why, though, because I didn't really consider why. The only thing I can point to is experience. 
I don't necessarily like. I like that Cooper Hoffman was in that movie. I like P.T. Anderson. I don't necessarily like that formula. I'd rather right. just find the best person for it, figure it out. However, I can understand that if you know someone personally, you may think you know the what formula to unlock in them to make the art you want to make, especially if you write the role for them. So maybe he thought that. And by the way, guys, if you hear a dog in the background, it's my dog, Henry. He just decided he wants some playtime during this episode. Some attention. That's no problem. We are a dog-friendly podcast. Very so true. I'm all for it. My dog just happens to be very quiet most of the time. <laughs> not Henry. And he's around, I promise. Slumberers, no, not Henry. No, but, so, but there were a lot of things I actually did enjoy about Boogie. I'm not going to trash Boogie. And I think if you like basketball, you should watch it. Uh, if you're interested in Asian American stories, there was a lot of compelling things when it came to that. I thought the music was good if you were into hip hop. Like, it, it does not deserve the, what did it get, 43%. Score or fifty eight percent or two point three on Letterbox. I think that was way too low. But like for example, my wife walked into the room while I was watching it. I'm not gonna say what scene. I'm not gonna say what actors. But she was like, "Is this like a, a high school film? Why, high school, why yeah. are they acting?" But she meant like high schoolers made it. She's like, "Why are they acting like that? Why are they delivering lines like that?" And like I said, there are some scenes that were great, and there are some scenes where it just sounded like director wants to get his agenda here and this person is just reading it and i I don't want that to dissuade anyone from watching the movie who might be interested in it like you said the trailer is great and it's on hbo max so if that's a service that you have absolutely check it out i think we need we do need more stories absolutely we need more asian american stories we need more asian american sports stories so i'm still gonna watch it and i don't know it's, it's hard because even if it's not the best it's probably still good that it's out there right 100 percent. i was gonna even suggest that you know if we find a cool guest it maybe it'd be a movie we cover because i'd love to watch it again and give it another chance because again it's a story that i found it compelling i enjoyed you know certain aspects of the story i will definitely see it again but just to your point Aizen, in terms of just the storytelling and this just unique Asian American story that we got here. I can honestly say it reminded me of no other movie I'd seen in that sense. And that's always a good thing, right? Absolutely. That, that makes it completely worth checking out. I think for sure. Speaking of a movie that I wasn't familiar with this story because it is based on a true story. Um, Another kind of urban tale from, you know, from the inner cities of New York, we go to the inner cities of Philadelphia for a movie called Concrete Cowboy. There's a horse in your house. Oh, this you right here. I ain't staying here. Right. So once you step out, that door stays locked till morning. All cowboys were black. Even the Lone Ranger were black. <laughs> Who's the Lone Ranger? Really? Are you teaching this boy anything? The history here is deep. We like the Wild West out here. I woke up to the morning sky first. Baby blue, just like we heard. I know you. You hops, boy. When I get up off this ground, I should oh, 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 oh. The 
your daddy got rules that you're not abiding by. Yo, yo, what you doing? You want to ride the street life? You can't be in my house. You want to wise up? You welcome back. Welcome back to what? I ain't got no home here. That's your choice. I'm gonna get my money, and I'm gonna get up out of here. You with me or not, bro? But them streets done made you a man overnight. I'm your father. You ain't my father! I mean, you a father to everyone else out here. Oh, you hate me, man. I was just like him now. I don't know who they expect us to go up and be if we watching over our shoulder all our lives. I have something for you. Oh, look. Like real cowboy. <laughs> Please believe the breaking of horse meant crushing the will of the animal. Oh. The only way you can realize its true spirit is through love. You don't have to get out to grow up. What's going on? The city decides they don't need horses no more. Y'all trying to tell us right now? Come on, man. How you gonna do that to us? This is where we live. My sisters and my brothers. They can't take who we are as a people. So what we gonna do then? We gonna do what we always do. We gonna ride. So this movie, actually a, f- a friend of mine, uh, my good friend Dow, turned me on to this film because he is from... Philadelphia, and whenever he sees a good Philadelphia story, he turns it my way, and he knows I like teen films. So here's stats. Netflix film. So if you got Netflix, you can watch it. Director, gentleman named Ricky Staub. Um, produced, though, by Lee Daniels. So obviously a very famous name there. Critical score, 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. Audience score, 71%. Letterboxd, 3.3. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. And honestly, this film was a pretty solid film. I liked it. I love true stories. I love city stories. And when I say that, I don't necessarily... Yes, I do mean a city, but not necessarily always. I just... I love a story that puts me in a place and really um, has an awesome sense of setting. And this did. I had no idea that they were cowboys in Philadelphia like this and that this was a thing. And, and Iceland, this story is so... Um, how can I put it? They, they tried to authenticate it so much that many of the actors, I would say the majority of the actors, are actually people in this Philadelphia cowboy community, which I, oh, wow. di- which I didn't know till the end of the movie. And once, they, once I looked it up, I'm like, wait, that dude was just someone who works on this ranch? And like they were putting in pretty good performances, which again, uh, kind of counter what I said about uh, Boogie, but I guess these were people actually in their roles playing them yeah element playing themselves very cool story now a lot of people like horses Uh, i'm not particularly a horse guy i don't hate horses obviously yeah no i hear you but just not your typical horse tale is what i was gonna say right you rarely see a horse tale that takes place in an inner city and you know this is a black storyteller about a black story a real story that's happening right we don't we don't have a lot of we, I don't think we see a lot of black cowboy stories. No, and, and it's a shame. You know, most cowboys in history were black or Hispanic. And that's something that they mention in the film. But, it, you know, that's a real thing, too. And they also, like, mention in the film. Now, I, I guess some people can criticize this aspect of it. I like it. But there are times in the film where they're just speaking around the campfire. And they're kind of just telling us the story. 
And it's just yeah. a lot of like history being thrown at us. And I know some people don't like that. Sure. The trailer made me think of the um, Francis McDormand. What is that? Remember last year? But that similarly was a very specific community. And a lot of folks from that community were part of that film. And some of it was just them talking to one another. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's exactly that. And Idris Elba is just amazing, right? So he, he just brings gravitas to this to the film and to the role and once again a different story were there cliche beats here there sure but not too many to like ruin the film at all i would i would definitely recommend this film i would i don't know where or how i would love if we got a guest to talk about this one as well because this is it was a cool movie um just to again learn about this culture and these this uh People keeping this tradition alive despite every obstacle uh, against them. I guess the cliche parts, you know, there's some kind of like inner city tropes that they go through here or there. Again, I don't necessarily hate those things, but I could see, oh, you know, is he going to wind up on the right side or the wrong side of the law kind of thing? We see that a lot. I get it. Yeah. Did you have any other thoughts from seeing the trailer? I Yes, I have a question because immediately I have concern seeing a horse in an apartment building (laughs) and then seeing what appears to be like seizing of animals. And so I, I don't want to, I mean, spoilers are spoilers, but also like, would it be tough as an animal lover to watch this movie? So no, in that sense. Um, So if I didn't mention already, it's about, you know, this black cowboy community in Philadelphia and they're trying to keep this community alive, but you know, this, this young man, he's living with his mother in Detroit. He gets into some trouble in Detroit, like, you know, Will Smith kind of in Fresh Prince style, but Philadelphia there. Reverse, because he's going to Philly. Reverse Philadelphia, <laughs> yeah. Reverse. Winds up with his dad in Philly, who he really doesn't have a good relationship with. His dad basically makes him work at this stable that he's a part of, that they kind of just do as, as a hobby at this point. Um, the thing is... As the movie explains, there were hundreds of these stables, and over essentially the last hundred years, they've been slowly been bought over to be developed, right? Because yeah. you need a lot of land for a horse. With that being said, the seizing comes from just the government. The movie implies that they'll look for reasons to kind of say the horse isn't being treated right here or there. Right. And the movie doesn't say whether it's happening or not. It kind of implies that, it, that it's not, that the horses are being treated well, but they will, they'll temporarily seize them weigh them, do all that. As a way to control the community. Yes, yes. Um, again, that, that's the way the movie presents it to us. Yeah. Anything that, that's bad that happens to a horse is not something we see on camera, if that's what you're worried about. Thank you. So just to clarify, yes. In that respect, there's no nothing negative in that respect. Nobody shoots a horse on camera in this movie. No, no. There might be some, some negative thing that could happen off camera, but it's... And it's not, you know, there's no dramatic scene like that. If anything, if you're an animal lover, that's what pulled me into it because the bond that the young man builds with one of the horses is, yeah. you know, very awesome to see. So Caleb McLaughlin was his name. Um, he, and he's from Stranger Things, actually. So maybe, maybe he's got a Thank Netflix deal. Thank you. I do recognize, I did recognize him. He did great. Uh, he, he did Good. awesome. Loved, loved him in this. And, you know, the connection he has with the horse is amazing. I already mentioned Idris Elba. Uh, Method Man plays a, a police officer in this, and he's really good. All right. Netflix. 
different kind of story. And like I said, yeah. we, we want to see different kind of stories. So liked seeing that. Believe it or not, there was another Netflix uh, teen film this year that featured a horse boy. But it was not a unique story. I'm talking about the remake of She's All That. The gender swap. He's All That. <laughs> nice. And action. We're live here, and surprise, we're on the set of My Boyfriend's brand new music video. Jordan! What are you doing? Okay, let's not freak out. What did you do to me? We're over, okay? Hey, You're still alive. Oh, shit! Breakups are hard. I was humiliated. You're going viral in the wrong way. It will get better. Makeovers are my thing. When I first met him, he was 120 pounds of bad hair. Why don't you just make another Jordan? I will create the next prom king. You make it sound so easy. You don't think I can do it? No, but I do think it'll be fun watching you try. A bet? Oh. I'm in. Just so you don't make it too easy on yourself, we'll pick the guy. That's right. What about him? Cameron Queller, I think. He is a total disaster. Weird. Antisocial. I don't want to stare at your underwear while I eat, dirt bags. Oh. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Cameron, hey. I was hoping I could take a writing lesson this morning. And I figured since you and I are friends. Uh, friends? In the sense that we go to school together. Kind of a loose definition, don't you think? <laughs> Not bad. You really can't enjoy this without sharing it with like 500 strangers. Just capturing the moment. Oh, I like it. Disgusting! I'm sorry. <laughs> Who's the new guy? A little scruffy, but cute. Just wait until I'm done with his makeover. He's definitely not what I expected. So kiss There's more to you than what you let everyone see. And what if I like it that way? falling for our little project. Things aren't always the way they seem. So I was a bet. We can all go to hell. I really screwed up, Mom. It's only a mistake if you don't learn from it. Things with Paget may have gotten a little more complicated than I thought. So cute. As mentioned, on Netflix... It was directed by Mark Waters, who, on this podcast, we've said his name a lot because he did Mean Girls, he did Freaky Friday, um, so he's done a lot of teen films. People did not like this one. Yeah. 31% by the critics on Rotten Tomatoes, 23% by the audience, 1.4 on Letterboxd. It's one of the worst I've ever seen. And I gotta say, it's not great, but it's not that bad. It's not 1.4 bad. <laughs> That's a little ridiculous, you know? Why Why would you even, like, it doesn't seem like a letterbox movie. You know what I mean? Like, why even Why even rate that review on Letterbox? right? <laughs> Who on Letterbox is going to look at that before they decide whether or not to watch it? That seems like a silly, it seems like the wrong venue. Very good point. Very good point. But we, we did, so I think it was, you and I had discussed it briefly because, at one point, it was like, oh, well, we ought to cover this. And then it sort of came out and nothing, no one was talking about it, which was a bad sign. Yeah. It did not make the impact that I think folks expected it to make. They really did expect it. And we know the story by now. It's Pygmalion. It's My Fair Lady. It's She's All That, you know. 
So that's yeah. been done a lot. I don't know if they were... See, this is what I don't get. And we talked about this a little bit on uh, Valley Girl, right? I never know what they're trying to do when they make these films. Are they trying to appeal to the fans of She's All That? Like nostalgia people? Are they trying to, to appeal to teens today? Because those are different people. Now, there are some yeah. movies like Spider-Man that, you know, a lot like big groups like, right? But She's All That was never that, you know? He's All That. And even at the time, was She's All That popular when it came out? Or did it become part of the catalog, the canon of teens? You know what I mean? Like, at the time... I don't know that it was well-reviewed either. No, certainly was not well-reviewed. And it was not, like, number one of the box office or anything like that. It's one of those things that I guarantee it's popular, using air quotes now, because teens went to Blockbuster and rented it, saw it with their friends, and have nostalgia for it. Similar to It Can't Hardly Wait, right? Right. Never been kissed. I mean... Exactly. We could go... We could... (laughs) We literally could go on and on. I could have a podcast about it. But I still think maybe when I do She's All That, that we could cover this just to maybe even compare them. Not every movie that I saw, by the way, we'll cover. Just if you're listening out there, be like, boy, we got a lot of AP episodes coming up. But maybe we do. But this film, there's a lot... Like, it it just feels like someone forced a lot to happen on screen. Uh, for example, Addison Ray, the star, mm-hmm. TikTok personality, right. big influencer, and it's about an influencer. The main character is an influencer. And in this one, the script is flipped. She's making the guy all that, right? And right. I think a lot of what people like, quote unquote, about she's all that today is the absurdity of it. Like, Rachel Lee Cook was always beautiful. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, she's in the film. She plays the mom. Loved seeing her. She's great. Oh, that's cute. One of the best parts of the movie. And then let me get on like a little side soapbox, by the way, because I saw this at least three or four times on my end of year watch. In these movies, the laziest thing they do, and you know it's close to home for me, for me because my wife is a nurse, is like if they want to make someone look hardworking. Yes, and busy. And busy. And poor, and I'm using air quotes for some reason, they make them a nurse. The, oh, so originally Cook is a nurse here. She's a single mom. Mm-hmm. And everyone's calling her poor. Yet she lives in this beautiful... Oh, interesting. Maybe it's not as beautiful as the other girl's home with the pool and like on the beach or whatever. But I'm like, lazy trope. So strange. You're right. We see a lot of... And I don't know, are they all nurses? Are some of them CNAs? Is that... I you guess know, they I never don't. specify, right? They don't specify, which is also probably super irritating to folks in the field. But yeah, if you need a mom who is hardworking and sometimes not home and stressed about balance, you make them a nurse. For whatever reason. <laughs> Interesting. Huh. And uh, whatever. Like, that's fair. But like, Hollywood, get creative. Find me another profession. Yeah, there are plenty, plenty of busy people who work hard. Amen. Like the dude... Similar to He's All That, mm-hmm. they make him look a little dirty, right? But you could tell he's like a good-looking guy, you know? Like, it's not... That's not who you would pick in the Pygmalion situation, theoretically, right. you know? Stuck-up girls, they're trying to pick the person who she can't change with her influencing powers. By the way, there's a Kardashian in the movie who... Oh. <laughs> uh, I forgot, Chloe, I think. And she's like one of her contacts. And anytime she gets more followers, Chloe will call and Courtney, Courtney sorry, Courtney will call and invite her to something uh, or say something. I don't know. 
I remember that from the trailer now. Yeah. <laughs> it's odd. Uh, the boy's a yeah. horse boy. That's why I brought it up. He he likes horses and stuff. Like he's he's at first like a punk, but that she learns that he has a connection with horses, so she goes. I don't, it's very weird. Um, I'm just gonna share the image of what the boy looks like. Very pretty man. Oh, that is a very that is a very pretty man. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Oh, Cobra Kai. That makes sense. Oh yes, yes. Him. Yeah. I just like as you're describing it. I think the way you started out is just perfect. Like they we're trying too hard. Like nothing about it sort of naturally seems to happen. It's just all very forced. Exactly, exactly. And there were some moments I laughed. There were some highlights. It wasn't, again, 1.4. It wasn't 1.4. But it wasn't great. It really wasn't great. Um, It's no licorice pizza. No, it's no licorice pizza. It's no, even uh, I thought uh, Valley Girl, which got shit on. I thought Valley Girl was a little bit better than this one i don't know guys i have heard some people who really do enjoy it some people have told me that most people did not this is one thing too if they were appealing trying to appeal to the she's all that fan base i do not think aside from richly cook that they did succeed yeah agreed also because i felt very old watching it with the talk of influencers and just the things that the kids enjoyed i'm like really that's okay yeah. It just did not. It did not bring me personal joy. But and I say that because maybe younger people enjoy this movie. I don't know. So if you are a younger person and you did really enjoy it, it really connected with you, let us know. Let us know. <laughs> Couple more films we're gonna cover on part one here. This next one is called First Date. This was like a indie film. I hadn't really heard of it. I caught it from a list. Uh, here's the trailer. So. When are you gonna ask her out? What? When are you going to ask her out? Pick up your phone, call her, get a date with her. Hello? Mike, are you busy? <laughs> do you wanna hang out? Yeah. Pick me up at seven? Yeah, I can do that. Cool, see you tonight. You're seeing her tonight. I'm seeing her tonight. You're picking her up? Yeah. What car are you gonna use, the invisible one? I know what you're thinking. Paint's kind of faded, and the chrome's not so bright, but this thing runs like a scalded dog. What do you say? Hey. I'll be there around eight. No problem. Where's the car? If I'd have known, you think for one second, I would have sold that kid the car. If I don't get my drugs, I'm going to kill everyone. Ah! I found this in a glove department, and I... Hey, hey, move! freaking car is right here. Donnie found the car. Stuff must have been in there before I got the car. It's not mine. It's not his. It's ours. What? Hey, just take the car, throw my bike off, and then run it over. That's how I'm late. Where's the car? I don't have it. is my score. We can all get what we need from this situation. What do you want? The Coke. The money. Long-term partnership. It's actually not a bad idea. Bring them down, boys. Bring them down, boys.
are you having right now? Uh. Date night just keep getting better and better, don't it? Nope, not for me. Yeah, it just, that just stressed me out. There is nothing funny about that. I literally wrote that in my notes. We will not be covering this on High School Slumber Party. I know I will not enjoy this film. And honestly, this is one of the weirdest films I've ever seen. So this was streaming on Hulu, but everywhere I read online said that it was going to be streaming on Apple. And hmm. it apparently never did. I don't know what happened. Maybe a deal fell through, whatever. Directed by... Manuel Crosby and Darren Knapp. Knapp. Uh, critical score, 53%. Audience score, 67%. Letterbox 2.7. So, this movie. Bizarre. Um, there were parts I actually really enjoyed. But then it got incredibly violent. Yeah. And precarious. Even the trailer, there were so many precarious situations. Thinking about what we know has happened historically and recently as it relates to police involvement with young people like i i found the trailer very stressful i almost wish though it leaned more into that Um, like acknowledged that yeah it did at some points but then it didn't if i were going to watch it again i would definitely watch it with more you know focus i have to say if you're into maybe like robert rodriguez stuff some Tarantino stuff, like more like Kill Bill-esque stuff. It's not as weird as that, but like things escalated in that kind of way. Yeah, it, it does feel like kind of like a 90s, more a 90s in that way of like, I was just trying to go on a date and all this shit happened. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I liked the lead performers. I thought they were actually really great. Tyson Brown was Mike and Shelby Duclos played Kelsey. I thought they were both very good. And there were moments I really, really laughed. But I don't know. I'm not necessarily into people bleeding out. Like, and and, uh, Mexican standoffs where there's... And these these weren't brief. There was like 10-minute shootouts in this movie. No, thank you. Laced with comedy. Yeah. (laughs) So the other thing I was thinking about when I watched the trailer was Pineapple Express that has a little bit of I'm just a stoner or whatever and then they get wrapped up in all this other shenanigans that become that escalates to explosions and things like that and that was also my least favorite part of that movie you know what I mean <laughs> yeah Pineapple Express is a good comparison I'll say this it would have been a better film if they invested more in the lead teen character and those aspects of him yeah. trying to get on this date like I didn't mind that him trying to go on the date Great, him being nervous to talk to this girl. I was digging all that part of the film. So, And that's basically the premise. He's nervous to talk to this girl, picks up the phone. Like, he has a little interaction with her before. Like, he picks up the phone, calls her. He's, like, too nervous to even speak to her, but, like, they're talking a little. She asks him out, and she says something along the lines of, why don't you pick me up at 7? He says, great. Agrees. He doesn't have a car. So he goes and he buys basically any car he can afford and... Someone sells him a car that's loaded up with tons and tons of cocaine. He doesn't realize. So there's lots of criminal elements after this car. Yeah, it it seems like a flimsy bookend to a different movie. I wouldn't mind if it was more about him and them a little bit. And it is to an extent. Because, again, I was enjoying those parts. But it would take these segues where we'd learn a lot about the criminals and 
like the their rough interactions with each other without him and we would take breaks from yeah. from uh like the teen characters and i know not yeah. every movie can f- be focused on teens and so i would say there's like 30 percent of this movie that i love okay and i'm not necessarily saying i hated the 70 percent of it but some of it i was like what movie am i in again maybe i just need to be in the right state of mind and i know there are probably listeners out there who love this kind of stuff like and obviously kill bill is critically acclaimed movie and people sure. love Pineapple Express. But they're not for everyone. Kill Bill is not for me. <laughs> yeah, fair. It's also, there's so many people in the 90s, I'm glad you brought up the 90s, who tried to imitate Tarantino and yes. failed, right? Like, this may be somewhere in between that. I'm not necessarily saying it fails, but mm. it just feels like it lands in between something that could be really enjoyed by a certain subset of people and imitation of that. And I'd love yeah. for someone who really enjoys yeah. more movies like that to tell me if it's good or not. <laughs> that makes sense. So yeah. if you're a slumberer out there. Another invitation for commentary. Exactly. Please let me know. Uh, I know you and I are not the biggest horror people. And when we get to talk about some of the horror films, maybe uh, I'll have the same question. But I don't know. What is that genre called? Like bloody action Heist? comedy? Yeah. <laughs> Bloody heist comedy. It's great. <laughs> I don't. I'll, know. I'll have to investigate, see what they call it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, that, not not a movie for me. And I'm glad I know more about it. Thank you. <laughs> so I feel like if you were not yet in the high school slumber party sphere, and you were just a listener, perhaps last year, and you were listening to this episode, that would get the X. Exactly. You're like, <laughs> nope, not so much. And that is a gift, right? I know I don't need to spend two hours watching that. Instead, I could watch Everybody's Talking About Jamie. I was going to say, luckily you are in the family, and we've already covered Everybody's Talking About Jamie. We did. This is your last career's lesson. So does anyone have a realistic career plan? Tyson, Denzel, what about you? YouTubers. I keep telling you all, you've got to keep things real. Jamie. Jamie New. Me. What do you want to be? A performer. For a minute there, I had such high hopes for you. (laughs) What is wrong with our boy? You remember when we was little and we used to play dress up? Well, for me, that's a game I don't want to stop playing. I'm done with this. I wanted a son so badly, I got you. The cold, empty morning. I don't think I've got a dad anymore. You've done nothing wrong, Jamie. You never did. So, why do you want to be on stage? I want to be a drag queen. Because it's all I ever dream of. And when I close my eyes, it's all I can see. If Jamie wants to come to prom, he comes just just like all the other boys. You are a freak. They made me feel so ugly. I'm scared. You can't just be a boy in a dress, Jamie. A boy in a dress is something to be laughed at. A drag queen should be feared. You won't believe the power it gives you. I don't just want to be one. I have to be one. Stop waiting for permission to be you.
And that was episode 259 of High School Slumber Party. Of course, we covered it on AP, streaming on Amazon, directed by Jonathan Buttronell. Respectable scores. Respectable scores. 79% by the critics around Tomatoes, 71% by the audience, 3.3 on Letterboxd. I think we both liked it. We were a little disappointed at some aspects of it. Remember, it's about a young person in England who wants to be a drag queen. It is a musical. And he realizes his dream in the movie and goes to prom and I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was, it was, um, this, some of the stakes were a little bit confusing. And I remember feeling like there were some missed opportunities or, or some of the choices I didn't understand. That being said, I hadn't seen the live uh, stage version and I do think that would be fun. Yes, yes. I think if you like musicals and like musical movies, and, you know, if you like drag stuff, absolutely, definitely check it out. It's not like a skip it at all. Yeah, if, if you know what I mean when I say Trixie and Katya, then yeah, watch. <laughs> Everybody's talking about Jamie. And you know what? If you haven't seen the movie, you probably haven't listened to our episode on High School Slumber Party AP, so check that out. Absolutely. We'll go more in depth there, but I... I I want to talk about this one before we talked about our next film. <laughs> Dear Evan Hansen. Dear Evan Hansen, today is going to be an amazing day, and here's why. Have you been doing those letters to yourself with Dr. Sherman? I've been trying to. Have you ever felt like... Nobody was there. Um, no one signed your cast. Now we can both pretend we are friends. I'm sorry about my brother. Have you ever felt forgotten in the middle of nowhere? I wish everything was different. Wish I was part of something. Wish that anything I said mattered. Have you ever felt like you could disappear? Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, yeah, that's mine. I'll, I'll, I'll just take it. Wait, I really, I need that back. You could fall and no one here. Connor took a letter from me and it was an assignment from my therapist. Ew. Even when the dark comes crashing through. Connor's mother and stepfather here to see you. When you need a friend to carry you. Connor wanted you to have this. And when you're broken on the ground. Dear Evan Hansen, he wrote it to you. His last words. Connor took his own life. He won. I'm sorry Connor didn't write this. No, no, no. Please. You will be found. And we didn't think Connor had any friends. I mean, you really gonna tell these people that the only thing they have left of their son is a letter that you wrote to yourself? So, you and Connor, tell us something, please. Right. Um, I started talking and you couldn't stop. They didn't want me to stop. I'm putting together a memorial service. If you wanted to do something. Connor showed me that, that I wasn't alone. Nobody is. So let that lonely feeling wash away. Maybe there's a reason to believe you'll be okay. I didn't know that you were hurting. when you don't feel strong enough to stand. A lot of people feel like us. You can reach, reach out your hand. So this one, it was in the theaters for most of the year. It just came to VOD. I rented it on Amazon. 
Oh boy, this is this is an interesting one. Aizen, have you seen Dear Evan Hansen yet? I have seen the live stage version, and I have um, watched many clips of Ben Platt playing the part because this was one of those. And and it it's not people are going to say since Hamilton, and it happened before that as well. But this is one of those things like Hamilton that had this breakthrough the mainstream. So for instance, Ben Platt was on Stephen Colbert's show singing a song from it, was on Seth Meyers singing a song from it, the stage version when it was on Broadway before it was a movie. And so it had this, it transcended Broadway, which skews old and white. And the college students that I worked with were singing and, and loved Dear Evan Hansen, right? It had a cultural moment, what was pre-pandemic. And actually, in terms of live theater, my birthday is in early February, and I was gifted tickets to this and went in February of 2020. So this is, wow. the last, this is the last live musical that I have seen. Was Ben Platt in it? Absolutely not. No, it was, um, <laughs> it was touring, and it was in Portland. And again, I have not seen the film, but there are a couple of sort of sidekicks to Evan, not, uh, I mean, I, again, I don't know how the movie handles this, but in terms of um, people who are actually in high school with, with him, there's a, a young woman and a young man. And the young man was the understudy and looked a lot like you, my friend. And I was in the balcony and I was like, that's not a high school student. <laughs> that's, that's a 32-year-old that's a in skinny jeans and uh, whew, okay, rough so I, day. So I guess that's what they do. And then I saw that I've seen the trailer for the film and I'm certainly aware of the social media. I don't know if it's backlash or just mocking of like, this is clearly an adult man playing a teen. I get it. I get it. He he won a Tony for it, right? Or or is at least nominated. This is his and and if you think about too, when you see someone in an original Broadway cast, sometimes they've been involved for years and years prior, right? Spring Awakening, Leah Michelle was involved since she was 13. Ben Platt, I believe, was in the workshops. He was yes. part of it for years prior. So absolutely, you would want to be in the movie. It's the culmination of all your hard work. And yet, sometimes you need to pass that along to a young person. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sorry, longest story ever short. I know the story. I know the music. I have not seen the film. I enjoy, I think the music is great. There are some songs, particularly in the first act, that I find very impactful the whole story makes me very uncomfortable. Where do you land? I actually texted you, Aislinn, because I'm like <laughs> in the middle of watching this. Because, look, I tried to watch this with an open mind with the Ben Platt thing. Because yeah. we have seen people his age, which is younger than you and I, you know. Well, we're not playing high schoolers. Yep. But <laughs> someone his age play a high schooler and do it pretty convincingly. That part we'll get into in a little bit, but... I had that with an open mind. I did not realize that this was the story. So, so it's a lot of mental health stuff. If folks, if folks aren't familiar, although you've just seen the trailer, there's suicide and suicidal ideation in it. So if that's not something that you're interested in, you can turn the episode off right now. In case people, like, it wasn't clear from the trailer or you just don't know, like, I didn't know, Evan Hansen plays a boy in high school and he 
kind of a lonely boy and a classmate of his passes away and the parents because of a misunderstanding think that he's a good friend of theirs and he continues to make up lies about their friendship and yeah he goes along with it and then escalates it and it becomes a social media movement it's a little uncomfortable it's a little uncomfortable quite uncomfortable i did have a quick quick question for you and you know maybe if we covered dear evan hansen you'll give me the longer version but I asked a uh, theater kid friend this the other day, and I was curious, because I am, as, as you've probably experienced, I am not very theater conscious, I guess is a good way to put it. Um, and also, I'm very New York-centric in a sense that when shows come out here, they come out on Broadway, and people see them on Broadway, and to me, they only exist on Broadway, because if I were going to go see Dear Evan Hansen... I would be going to see it on Broadway. And not because in a pretentious way, because, but like, why would no, I go to another so, city? To, so lucky. So lucky. Yeah. You know, like Broadway is technically two blocks from me. Not where the theaters are, but like that's literally the street. Right. You know, it's um, how does this happen that a Hamilton or a Dear Evan Hansen or plenty of others in its history? How does it happen that kids of America, theater kids of America can be singing the songs in the hallway of their high schools? when it's only playing in New York at that certain time? I, like, I'm asking honestly, because I, I've never been able to understand that. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure your theater friend has a better answer, but all I can say is I've been that kid forever because when I was in sixth grade, I was listening to Rent with the, the CD, with the little book, memorizing the words, and no one in my, high, in my middle school knew what I was talking about <laughs> or cared, and that was part of it for me. Mm. because day-to-day was ridiculously tough. And so to have something that was just mine and that resonated with me for whatever reasons that a story about people in, you know, New York uh, in a very particular era <laughs> that has that nothing to do with me, um, <laughs> right? Uh, I don't know why, but it it did. And at that time, partially it was, it was TV, right? It was the Rosie O'Donnell show. She would have Broadway stuff on. And, and I saw Neil Patrick Harris singing this song and because he took over. Um, oh. He wasn't the original cast, but he took over in Rent. And, I didn't um, realize that. And so that's, that's how I connected to it. And so I, I think, you know, that story is not unique and is magnified by social media and everything else where theater kids are able to interact with people who star in things right there are there are instagram and twitter accounts that are like backstage broadway stuff where there are i mean again even in my adult life the number of little interviews i've watched of the spring awakening with sign language or american idiot or like any number of things that i will search on youtube for videos of backstage videos about broadway stuff so I think young people are very savvy that way. I think Ben Platt in particular had a following. He had been in the Pitch Perfect franchise prior to this. So people who are interested in that, in vocal stuff, would already be connected to him. Why one pops and another doesn't, that I can't tell you. What did your friend say? She almost couldn't explain it, right? Like suddenly she was like, Rent was an example she gave too. And publicists, right? There are people who do this for a living. True. But she's like... We all knew the songs, and there'd be times where we would piece together song to song what would be happening in between. You know, I was like, oh, that's fascinating. So many things that I had not <laughs> seen. I didn't know what happened. Yeah, because I didn't see Rent live for another three years. Wow. 
So I was just, I just had it in my mind. I think music is transcendent in that, in Mm. some of those ways. And so, you know, whereas maybe there are absolutely, there are theater kids who love straight plays in that way, but that that's not me. It's, it's very much the music for me, but I don't know why one hits and one doesn't. Um, For instance, next to normal is one that I love and had a following like that, right? They went to a Barnes and Noble and the line was around the block, but didn't hit like a Hamilton or a this. And it's also about mental health. I've talked about it before, Mm -hmm. so I won't any further, but this is, I think because, because of the era this came out where there is like a documented fascination with catfishing, right? That, oh yeah. That, or, or misrepresenting yourself online, right? that was already in the world and is also a product of media, right? That term was named after a documentary film of the same name. We're fascinated by identity and how like the filter of social media impacts that. And so I think that's part of it. And then if you take some of the songs out individually, you know, a chorus of people singing, you are not alone is going to hit you. It's going to hit me. Right. And so while the premise is unsettling and I'm not, it's not my favorite musical ever, I can pick out moments and pieces of it and, and love those moments and pieces. That's why I asked the question, because if you look at the scores, right, like 30% by the critics, but still 88% (laughs) by the audience. That's people who love this story and this music. Exactly, right? I have to imagine so. And 2.2 on Letterboxd, which is not good. But th- that Rotten Tomatoes audience score are the, just the people who probably fell in love with this. Because I'll say, look, I as you know, I didn't know what the story was about. I only knew a couple songs just from advertisements here in New York for the play. You know, I'm sure they run the same advertisements everywhere, but you know what I mean. There were a lot of great moments and a lot of great characters Again, was very uncomfortable with what the plot was. The Ben Platt thing, I wish I could tell you that it wasn't distracting. Unfortunately, it was very distracting. And one of the most distracting aspects of it was the fact that they cast everyone. Everyone else looked really young. Oh, no. So it was like Pen 15. Yes, 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 exactly. Right. And if I didn't know who Ben Platt was, and if I had not heard of the controversy, and I was watching the movie, I would be asking... Is part of the issue that he's an outcast the fact that he looks like he's 10 years older than a 30 year old man? Yeah. I was fascinated by this and I watched a bunch of interviews and I tried to see. And like, I know a lot of people are shitting on Ben Platt and I know a lot of people are defending him because no one likes bullying, right? Like, that that's not right. Absolutely. But also, some of his responses are like, hasn't, haven't been the best. And I haven't, I haven't read that. I think it would have been better to do it. Hamilton style and to release a version of the live show with Ben Platt so that it's documented, right? He is the star of this. He is the first, he's the originator of the character. Then make a movie with teenagers. Yes, yes. Okay, so I, I think Lynn Manuel gets it, right? Because, like, uh, for example, like the most important musical in my life is In the Heights. Um, I saw In the Heights in previews. It was like one of the first things I, I swear to God I ever saw in my life that really highlighted a community that I knew and that I was a part of. I currently yeah. live in the Heights um, now. Uh, I wasn't. I didn't at the time. 
So, you know, seeing that representation and the music and all that was great, right? And the movie came out, what, I think, last year or whatever. I know it had some controversies, but that aside for, for purpose of this discussion, Lin-Manuel didn't then put himself in In the Heights, even though that wasn't a teenage in character. In that character, yeah. He still knew well enough, you know what? Like, time has passed. Let's pass the torch. Yeah. I can still be involved. I will involved. say, though... One of the early songs in Hamilton references him as 19. <laughs> and Lynn did play that part. Well, so, I feel like he always like plays it in the play to get himself there, you know? And I still think he would do that in general, right? But I'm thinking movie adaptation, though. Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, I definitely agree with you. <laughs> but again, that's different when it's the capturing of a live show versus a movie when it's a full immersive world. Yeah, because you're in a high school. And I think the other high schoolers, are most of them are pretty great. But they look young. And that's fine. That's great. <laughs> but he doesn't. And I know he, like, I know he changed the look from the play look. He lost a lot of weight and he grew his hair long. But that did not help. That almost made it no, worse. No, it really didn't. The quote he said, he's like, I originated the role and the movie would not have been made unless I was involved. And that might be true. Maybe it's that's true. That's a shitty thing to say. That's a shitty thing to say, right? He could have been involved in a different way. Then maybe the movie shouldn't have been made or maybe not made yep. in that way. And maybe wait five years and then he could direct it or he could play one of the parents or something else. Yeah, no, I, I don't think that's a good answer. I also feel I do have empathy for him because I bet this was a fear, you know? And oh, yeah, you it know it came was. to fruition oh. and he had to answer for it. And that's that's a bummer. And I, I think he's a very talented person and so I don't it doesn't turn me off to him in the future I think it's just an an unfortunate set of choices and an unfortunate way to defend them I wish the media coverage hadn't been about that yeah no it it went too far for sure it it definitely went too far but as far as the movie goes um I think it's something people should see especially you know it's such an important play but I would say if you can see a performance of it, it's probably better. I've never seen a performance Absolutely. of it, but I could imagine that. Right? Support live theater in whatever way that you're able to that feels safe to you. I'm not saying run out and do it right now. But yeah, let's see up-and-coming folks who have studied their whole lives to do this. Go see Jordan Fisher play it. Oh, what a great note to end on. The fact that Jordan Fisher is here and a part of my commute every day um, – of course, we know him. Feels right. We know him a lot here in high school slumber party, and him just you know in these Evan Hansen ads and all the ad, like they have these great ads where they like pretty much all the leads of all the shows that came back uh, since the pandemic are in it, and he's in it, and he's Evan Hansen. And I'm like, you know what? What if Jordan Fisher was Evan Hansen in the movie? That would have probably been good. But you know what? Would have been outstanding. <laughs> I don't know. So, dear Evan Hansen, if you like musicals. Watch it. Give us your opinion. But I feel like if you like musicals, you've already seen it. I do have to say, I'm also bummed out because it is directed by... Oh, yes! And Chabosky, who we know I love because of my undying affection for The Perks of Being a Wallflower. So I think this is a perfect story for him to direct. So I guess my question is, do you have any comments as it relates to how this film was directed. I actually think it was directed really well. I think it was a nice looking movie. I thought the pacing was good. Nothing about the film process bothered me at all. Like I thought I just was distracted again 
by Ben Platt and by the story. I almost wish I knew the story going in so that part wouldn't distract me. I'd love to yeah. give it a second chance. Maybe we'll get a theater kid on with us and, and give it a try. I think that'll be fun. Someone who's really familiar with the play. Um, and I'll try the next time to look past Ben Platt. Uh, I don't know. Have you searched or seen or have you? I know you like to watch some of the YouTube critiques of things with drag queens. I don't know if they did this one, but um, <laughs> have you? They have it, but they should have. <laughs> There's like this clip of him crying. Oh, I mean, I know the story. I don't know from the film. I know the stories of him because it is a very emotional role and he would cry off and on throughout it. And I, I have seen audience members documenting the tears and the snot and the what have you. Yeah. Well, he just like, it looks like, like a man crying in boys' clothes, and that's like, oh, that's a bummer. And I'm like, oh, that's such a bummer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go go online and and watch whether it's backstage clips or even those shows I was talking about. Like when he went on Stephen Colbert and and saying, you know, the waving through a window song. Like that was great. I think this for me, this is one where the parts are better than the whole. Nice. That's a great way to put it. Well, we talked for a while today about some of the teen films of 2021. Appreciate being able to talk with someone, Aislinn. Uh, We'll be back for part two, so have a lookout for that. And we'll talk a whole new set of 2021 teen films. Uh, Yeah, get that notebook out again for uh, part two. Aislinn, anything you want to plug or say? No, happy to be here. Happy to be discussing 2021 in an effort to roll into 2022 with hope and enthusiasm. And yeah, that's about all I can muster. I I 100% agree with that. So here's to next time, I suppose. I've learned to slam on the brake. Before I even turn the key Before I make the mistake Before I lead with the worst of me Give them no reason to stare No slipping up if you slip away This is, of course, the aforementioned Ben Platt from Dear Evan Hansen. He's a great singer, a very talented artist, so no shade was meant, just had to be real. Sorry, Ben. And I, of course, am Brian Rodriguez, one half of the hosts of Hoxie Slumber Party AP. Just wanted to drop in at the end of this episode, tell you to check out Monday's episode, because that'll be part two of this three-part teen movie review for 2021. I know it's 2022, but hey, it takes a while to watch all these movies, okay? Really wanted to talk to you for a second and really talk about some people we lost recently, unfortunately. A lot of uh, titans, and including some people who very much involved with some great high school films. Well, first, right before the end of the year, we lost Betty White. I mean, rest in peace. What a legend. What a way to close out 2021. I guess it was, you know, fitting, right? Because 2021 wasn't that great. But rest in peace, Betty White, once again, legend. I know a lot of people know her from the Golden Girls, but Mary Tyler Moore, ugh, one of my favorite shows of all time. More on the high school slumber party realm, though. Peter Bogdanovich died. Of course, he was the director of The Last Picture Show, which was an Academy Award-winning film, 
We covered it all the way on episode 27. Check that out. Actually, with Eisen's brother, Tobin Addington. He was on that episode, and Joey Lewandowski as well. It's a really, really classic, great movie. Um, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff with him, too, in that film, but rest in peace, Peter Mondanovich, regardless. But yeah, really somber today, because woke up and read that the legend, the icon, and I don't just mean on screen, but Sidney Poitier passed away. Sidney Poitier, just, again, what a legend. I can't say enough. I am heartbroken over this one. Not just a tremendous actor, but a tremendous human being, a trailblazer, civil rights leader, and he won an Oscar at a time when black people in this country, just terrible, terrible things were happening to them in the South and all over. And yet he was this just role model for people. You know, he walked hand in hand with Martin Luther King Jr., civil rights rallies, and just was a beacon for, again, not just actors, but everyone out there, people out there. We talked about him on our episode for Two Sir with Love and that commanding performance as Thackeray. It was just so good, and he was so good at his craft. I also talked about him with Kyle Reinfried and John Harden, who, by the way, were my guests on that episode. But on Kyle's show, I think a week or two later, we talked Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Just tremendous performances. If you want to do yourself a favor and watch the key cornerstone Sidney Poitier movies, do that. Watch Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Watch To Serve With Love. And watch In the Heat of the Night. This man had a moment but his moment is really his whole life, and I just want to salute Sidney Poitier once again. Rest in peace. What a tremendous human being. And do yourself a favor, just read the Wikipedia article of, as well, if you're not too familiar with him for whatever reason. All the people I mentioned and all the people we've lost recently, rest in peace. And thank you once again for listening to High School Slumber Party, High School Slumber Party AP. Check us out once again on Monday. And remember, guys, life moves pretty fast. And if you don't stop to look around once in a while... You could miss it. Later, dudes.